Ruanzi Contreras night at PNC Park. Except that it really wasn't. You know why? Because it's always Brian Reynolds night. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Pirates lost to the Cubs 3-2. Contreras did, in fact, pitch pretty well through his three innings, showed his stuff, 97 fastball, nice-looking slider, wipeout curve. Wasn't necessarily expecting that. As I'd mentioned on yesterday's show, I'm not going to hype this kid up. He's got a lot to prove, having pitched very little above double-A and having missed a big chunk of this season with elbow issues. So good for him. You know, nice scene. But like every other newcomer to these parts, you just stand in line behind that center fielder. Reynolds is finishing what he started, and I've got a ton of admiration for that. I really do. Beyond just the statistics, the you know, 298 average, the 900 OPS, everything else that he's bringing to the table offensively and, of course, defensively, there's just something to be said for the guy competing the way he does. Game after game after game. When it's been only forever since any of these games mattered from the team concept. In this one, all Reynolds did was go two for three with two triples. A walk, a catch against the wall, a sliding catch running forward, and I'm probably leaving out other stuff. This is this is who this player is. He's special. Derek Shelton's had an awful lot of Good stuff to say about Reynolds throughout the week, and here he was again last night. Yeah, I mean, he impacts the game in a ton of ways, and I think we've seen him get better. I mean, you, you pointed out the two catches. He just continues to play well. I mean, that's why he was the starting center fielder on the all-star team, and uh, this guy just continues to get better every night. No, I'm not playing Pollyanna here. No, I'm not burying the bad. That loss was the Pirates' 99th. But when you start seeing pieces like Contreras, like Reynolds, like Kibrian Hayes, like David Bednar, and like not nearly enough other players currently in Pittsburgh, but there are plenty, plenty coming up through the system, it can start to look like something. It can start to appear real, the stuff that you read about, the stuff that you hope makes it to Pittsburgh sooner rather than later. When? Well, Pirates don't like to discuss timelines, and I'm referring specifically, of course, to Ben Charrington. His stance on this is always that the team or the players will set the timeline. When they show that they're ready, that's when you start augmenting, you start adding major league pieces and pushing closer to contention. 
Want to know what my timeline is? Not that they'd ever ask. My timeline is this. Every swing that this player takes in the city of Pittsburgh is a swing that he should be taking in the context of contention. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at the North Shore Tavern directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's the home to stake on a stone. It's the home to the planet's most dedicated, probably by a big margin, Pirates sports bar. Nothing but baseball front to back. But you know what? Even after baseball's done, North Shore Tavern and the companion venture right next door, Mike's Beer Bar, are both open and eager for your business year-round. This isn't like the Federal Street operations of old. These are real live establishments. Visit North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And for all the focus that there's been on the system ever since Charrington was hired, one of the most beautiful developments of 2021 has been that no player progressed, pushed through to the next level the way Reynolds did right here in Pittsburgh. He went from, you know, a pretty lousy 2020. Yeah, it was only 60 games, but it was pretty discouraging, at least to a lot of us who were watching it. And then he does this, and he appears to be a truly exceptional talent if you view him as the total package. That's really the trick here. There isn't one thing where you look at Reynolds and say, oh, he does that great, like he's the fastest player or has the strongest arm or the greatest power or even the most productive bat, you know, from a getting base hits standpoint. It's the completeness of his game that's exceptional. Let's remember that when this season started way back in April, he was in left field in large part because the Pirates themselves, including Charrington, and I know this because he told me himself in Bradenton, they weren't sure. They believed that maybe he could handle center field, but they weren't sure. And all he did since sliding over was perform at a gold glove level. And offensively, he's got the second best stats of any center fielder in the game. This is a player that you want to build around. And in order to do that, to some extent, you do have to put your foot on the gas. Well, either that or make sure he's still around when you're capable of having enough prospects and other gifted players around him. It's got to be one or the other. That's that's the thing here. Either you're going to take some kind of steps, and I, I don't see this coming, so I'll just kind of gloss over it, where you would uh, augment immediately talent that would kind of be placeholders for the Altoona slash Greensboro crew when they arrive, or you make sure that Reynolds still has his best years in Pittsburgh. 
that, of course, means a longer-term extension. Now, understand, when I say that, the Pirates already hold Reynolds' rights through arbitration for the next four years. I'm going to repeat that because that doesn't seem to be all that well-known, even among some of the Pirates' more passionate fans. They've already got his rights through 2026. He's not going anywhere unless they trade him. So if you're talking extension with him, what you'd most likely be doing, based on a lot of precedent, including quite a bit over the past decade for the Pirates themselves, is you're guaranteeing his arbitration years, and then you're buying up at least a year or two of what would be his free agency years. There's a little bit of a trade-off between player and team, meaning that the player gives up some money, possibly, in the process, but the player also protects themselves against something going really wrong. I can take this one with multiple examples in either direction, but to give them to you with the most recent prominent ones, in Pittsburgh, Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte, uh, these are guys that signed longer-term contracts that bought out a couple of years of free agency, and they did well on those deals. They both ended up being traded for different reasons once they were into what would have been those free agency years, but they did pretty well contract-wise. And so, in turn, did the Pirates, meaning value for the player. They got the best years out of both of those guys, although Marte's having a tremendous year in Oakland. Then there's Gregory Polanco, who might be the single most motivating factor that Reynolds or anyone else would have to go running to sign a guaranteed deal. Because Polanco did have that worst-case scenario. He blew out that shoulder something fierce, changed his whole career, changed his whole career. But Polanco still got paid. He still got paid big time. He's still collecting $11 million right now to hit home runs for AAA Buffalo. Hit another one last night, by the way. I like it. I like the idea of the extension. I don't feel it's a must, but I believe there are lots and lots of positives that could come from it, and I believe way more important than any of this, in Reynolds himself, in the player, in the person. I believe the Pirates will get max value out of any contract that they sign with this kid. So why not go longer rather than shorter? When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and today's J1Q comes from Joe, who asks, It's an enigma in pro sports where two players like David Bednar gets drafted in the 35th round, can pump strikes, and is well-positioned to hone and master his trade, while Mitch Keller, a second-round pick with all the tools and so much promise, still hasn't found himself. Is it just a matter 
of mental toughness. I have a couple of responses to this, Joe. The first of which is, and I say this all the time, that the Major League Baseball draft is by far the most fickle in all of sports. That doesn't mean you should be routinely finding pitchers with Bednar's talent in the 35th round any more than it means you should routinely see second-rounders, especially second-rounders who rise up in the minors, struggle the way Keller has in the majors. My next response is that it sounds like you're underestimating Bednar's arm and his own skill set, and I wouldn't advise doing that. He has really added to his arsenal, even in the time he's been in Pittsburgh. His curveball really wasn't a thing, even at the time that he was acquired from the Padres in the Joe Musgrove trade. He's added that here. This is a, this is a bright young man and an ambitious young man. And he's made himself a better, more complete, more dynamic reliever. A lot of relievers just kind of settle on a fastball and a secondary pitch, and then they just bring it for an inning. That's not what Bednar has done here. If you look at some of the curves that he threw the other night here against the Cubs, my goodness. I mean, they were just laying off. They wanted no part of what he was offering up. And the last observation that I'll, I'll make here is that, yeah, a lot of it is about mental toughness. Because when Keller gets sent back to AAA, and in Indianapolis, he's basically told, you are there to get schooled by Joel Hanrahan, one of the toughest SOBs you'd ever see on the mound. They didn't send him to Hanrahan because they were looking to improve, you know, technical things, tinkering with the delivery or anything like that. They wanted Hanrahan to show him what the inside part of the plate looked like and why it was valuable to pitch there and why he shouldn't care in the slightest about any repercussions of pitching there. You know, kind of like the way baseball's been for a century and a half now. Not everybody comes equipped with that. That's not a shot at Keller or his fortitude or whatever. Not everybody has that. There's a reason the Pirates have this stand-up dummy called Oye down in Bradenton. Still, you guys might remember this from the playoff run. It got a lot of attention. But it's, it's still down there at Pirate City. They just put this dummy in a place where the pitchers are throwing only to catchers in the bullpen so that they can get comfortable with there being a potential human in that spot. Anyway, does it say something about baseball? Yeah, I, I guess to an extent. Uh, but uh, otherwise, there's not a whole lot of similarities between these two players. Bednar has really done a lot to improve himself, and Keller has taken some steps backward. And we'll see what can be done, if anything, 
to reverse that course for Keller next year. Oh, and by the way, to continue that course for Bednar. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do this again tomorrow. Thank you.